Check one, two, hey yo. Oh, that's exciting. Wow, hello. <laughs> Welcome to New Haven, the Fieldhouse Edition. Uh, one and all, one and all. We're, my name is Bud Rednauer. I am not the usual guy. If this is your first time here, then welcome, welcome. And there, sh there should be Bibles. I don't know if Kevin's already said it, but there should be Bibles under the chairs, under some of the chairs. And so we're going to be kind of flipping through some, uh, some Bible verses this morning. And if you don't have yours, then you can use that. If you don't have one at all, then uh, take that home with you. We want you to have a Bible. Uh, so that would be fantastic. Uh, and actually, this morning, we're going to be out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as we're, as we're getting there, <laughs> my wife, Amber, I am married. And, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, my wife, Amber, got me a, for Christmas, my wife, Amber, got me a, a, a power drill. And if you have spoken to me for more than two and a half minutes, you know that I uh, do not go well with power tools. I don't understand them. It's like giving a two-year-old blueprints as to how to build a nuclear power plant. It is not great. And you're not going to get, <laughs> you're not going to get your money's worth. <laughs> And so she gave me this power drill, and I was like, cool, yeah. And, and you see, she comes from a family that builds houses. And so I think she is trying to tell me, hey, you know, I know, you know, I don't know if there's a thing called toxic masculinity, but you could use a little bit of it maybe. And I'm like, thanks, I appreciate that. And so she gives me this drill, and I'm thinking, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow her mind, and I am going to add a story. I'm going to add three stories onto the house. I'm going to add a whole other west wing to the house all before lunchtime, and she's going to have her mind blown. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And then I'll just be sitting there, you know, holding my, my smoking drill. It's going to be fantastic. But I thought I'm going to be a little bit more realistic and try to start out with something a little smaller. And so there's this TV wall mount that we had in the basement. And don't worry, I took the TV off first. I am smart. <laughs> and so I take the TV off and, and I see it there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna move it to this other room in the basement. And so, I, and so I'm, I'm getting there. And, if, and let me educate you guys, if you guys don't know how power tools work, since I am now an expert. You have to have a battery and the battery charges. And when the, and when the battery is charged, the light will turn green. When it's not charged fully, it's still red. And so I'm sitting there like, it's still green, it's still green, okay. Because I'm, I'm revving, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I, I want to tackle this thing, and I'm excited for it. And so, I, and so it finally turns green, and I'm like, it's go time. And so I get my drill, and I put it in reverse, because, you know, that's child's play to try to back a screw out and have it still be going forward. <laughs> I learned that lesson a long time ago. And so I put it in reverse, and I'm like this, yeah. And then I put it in, and, it, and I'm like, what? Strip the screw clean. <laughs> and so then I get on Google, and I'm Googling how to remove strip screws. And I try rubber bands, steel wool. I got nothing. And, and so I eventually did get the thing off, but not with my power drill. I got it off with a crowbar by just ranking on it and, and getting so mad and Andy Kirby, he's, you know, the, the, the drill master, the tool master, he's ashamed to know me. And that's okay. 
Because I got the job done, though. I did get it. But I was so frustrated. And then when I put it in, and so then I moved it. I've only got like two or three screws left that go to this wall mount. So I put it in there, and I'm like, okay, this is where I want it to be. And then sure enough, do, 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 do. And, I, and I, I, I stripped every screw that I had. And so now the wall mount is hanging with screws hanging out like this much. And, but you can't see it because I put the TV on top of it, so you can't see. <laughs> do you disapprove? <laughs> he disapproves. Anyway, if you heard me in the basement, you would have heard me going, I was, I was shaking. I was so frustrated with this thing. And I was like, I was going to build all these things. You're going to, you wait and see, you'll see. I was, I was so frustrated. And that's the way I thought, this is the way it can be for people who, when I first started learning how to read my Bible, it can be that way. It can get frustrating where you're just like, I don't get it. I'm frustrated, I'm fed up, and I'd rather go watch the news or something. I don't know, play video games. I have no idea. If you've never read your Bible before, it can be frustrating. I have to ask my father-in-law how to, how to drill a screw in. So if you are trying to figure out how to read your Bible, ask some questions. Figure some things out by asking questions by, from people who, who have read their Bible a little longer than you. Ask some questions. Don't get frustrated. And don't, um, and don't give up. Uh, let me see here. I got, my, I got my 21st century notes right here. And so that's kind of what I, I kind of wanted to preface this with because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, it's just a quick, real quick verse. Don't know if you guys even need the screen because we can just go ahead and memorize it right now. Um, it is not the spiritual. This is what Paul writes to the church of, of Corinth. It is not the spiritual, but the natural first, then the spiritual. And here Paul is talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the spiritual bodily resurrection of Christ. It's, it's a very quick and simple verse. First the natural, then the spiritual. And when he's talking about the spiritual bodily resurrection, he's talking about uh, the covenant that brings that along. Now what's another word for covenant? Huh? Thank you, Andy. The answer is testament, yes. And so we have, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so we can take this, and, and, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. So we have an Old Testament and then we have a New Testament. The Old Testament is natural, which is, I should have sent you a slide for the PowerPoint, but natural, the Greek word, I'm going to get into just a touch of Greek. Uh, I can barely speak English, so don't uh, look to me for Greek. But it's where we get our Greek word physikos, uh, physikos, which is where the Greek word physikos is where we get physical. Thank you, Abigail. See, the, t the teenagers are the, the future. All right. It's where we get the Greek word, or it's where we get our word physical. So first is not the spiritual, but the first is the natural the physical, and then the spiritual. Okay, does that make sense? What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the Old Testament was the physical, the natural. The New Testament is now the spiritual. And, and if you've ever had, uh, if 
you've ever had any kind of theological discussion before, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you haven't, but I'm sure that you've heard uh, somebody say, wow, just the God of the Old Testament is such a mean God. He's so quick to anger and just so mean all the time. But the God of the New Testament, it's like he's changed. I, I, I had a, a guy who, who preached. I remember he was preaching, and after, after he got done, we were talking, and he said, oh, yeah, the God of the Old Testament, yeah, no, God changes between the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> Laughter. And yeah, that's what he said, and I thought, well, okay, uh, Hebrews 13, 8, for, God, for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. See, what he missed was not that God changes, but that the testament, the covenant changes. We worship a God who is dependable. Isn't that good to know that our God is steadfast in love? That because of some stupid decision that I might make, he's not uh, prone. He's not fickle. His emotions aren't, aren't, aren't swayed by, by something that I might do or say. It's, oh, it's so good to know that God is ever faithful and not cha- he's unchanging. And which means that I can count on him and I can rely on him. That is fantastic. And so it's not that God changes. It is now that we have two separate covenants, two separate testaments, that, and they are the things that change. And the Old Testament was actually a gift to the Jews. I'm going to go in slightly to a quick, brief history lesson. The Jews, if you look at the Old Testament, it's often referred to as the law and the prophets. The law meaning the commandments that Moses received and the prophets uh, that, that uh, prophesied about the, the forthcoming of, of, of Christ. Uh, they prophesied about a lot of things, but one of them was, the main thing was Christ. And, and the Jews had this first testament, this first covenant, because the Jews still believe in, the, in, our, in our New Testament. They still read that. And they have these, they had this. It was a gift, I believe. The Old Covenant was a gift to the Jews. Why? Because it pointed towards Christ. It pointed them to Christ. And the Jews, you have to believe, were praying for this to come to fruition in their day. Ah, and it did. And it did. About 2,000 years ago, God answered their prayers in a way that they did not see it coming. And we all know that the rest is history. That's what pretty much differentiates between the Jew and the Christian is that uh, the Christians uh, believed Jesus was who he said he was. The Jew... (laughs) Um, had prayed for the coming Messiah and when God answered their prayer it wasn't how they expected it to be answered and it makes me wonder how many times we're praying for stuff and we have oh Lord please give me this job please let this person become not sick please let this person get well I want to pass this test I want to I do really well please let this boy like me I, just all of these things that, that we pray and what we do is we, is we end up fa- falling into this trap of asking God to fulfill and answer our prayers the way that we want them to be answered how we want them to be answered when we want them to be answered and the only problem with that is that if God did that if God answered our prayers the way that we expect him to and we don't get in line with him but he gets in line with us he falls in line with our wants and our desires then he would just simply be meeting our expectations which is fine and all but when we don't allow God to move and to work and do some things that might make us uncomfortable then God is never exceeding our expectations. 
And that's what happened with this new covenant, with this new spiritual covenant. It's no longer natural, physical. It's spiritual. And that's what the Jews missed out on. They were waiting for somebody to come over and, and overthrow the Roman Empire that had them oppressed. And God said, no, I'm going after something more important than that. I'm going after something more than you can't legislate morality. But what you can do is I can go after your hearts. And the Jews weren't ready for it. And he answered their prayer in a way that exceeded their expectations. So when you are praying, when you're praying, pray that God's will would be done and that, and that you would be just a vessel in which he uh, uses to fulfill his will. And another thing, just a quick side note about prayer. Quick side note. Um, a lot of us, I know, have, have said, uh, have said uh, all we can do now is pray. All you can, well, all we can do now is pray. He's going to have surgery, so well, all we can do now is pray. And when you guys find yourself saying that sentence to somebody, stop it. <laughs> Just cut it out. Stop it. Don't say all we can do now is pray. What, that sounds like such a defeated uh, sort of mentality. Just all we can do now is pray. Like prayer was, was the, the sixth man on the bench and it's kind of our last option now. We've tried everything else and now that's our last option. Instead of saying all we can do now is pray, replace that. Stop saying it and replace it with the best thing we can do now is pray. The best thing we can ever do is pray. Because God answers prayer. God answers prayers. We see completely uh, all the way throughout um, uh, Scripture. And so i got to keep moving along here. Okay, so we have the spiritual, that is not first, but then the natural, and then the spiritual. And now a couple of differences. We could, we could go for eight weeks as far as uh, the differences between the New Testament and the Old Testament, what separates it. We could go, whoa, whoa, I mean, this could just be a quick intro for actually the depth that this requires. I mean, we could talk about Michelzadek. We could talk about, I mean, just Hebrews. The entire book of Hebrews would be fantastic. But I've only got a few minutes. So let me just hit you with some of these. All right. First, one of the things that's a little different is tithe. <gasps> tithe. Oh, he said money. Oh, man. Why does God always want my money? Why does he need my money? He's God. Why does he want my money? And in Leviticus 27, verse 30, uh, it gives the commandment for tithe. Oh, uh, we actually have it up there. Uh, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy meaning set apart. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart to the Lord. And if a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And then it goes through, and, and in verse 33, it ends with, and it shall, if he does not substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. It's, it's a pretty straightforward, this is the commandment right here for tithe. Really straightforward. And even faithful tithing, Jesus you know, commented on it in Luke 18, when he's talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector. What did the Pharisee say? I tithe on everything that I get. Faithful giving, too. Yeah, I tithe on everything. Another difference would be, uh, let's talk about warfare. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 10, he gives, his, um, he gives the commandments as far as Israel to go to war. I tried finding out how many, how many battles Israel and, and Judah ended up fighting in the Old Testament. There was a lot. 
There's a lot of battles. And to rest your, your mind on certain things, uh, Israel is not a warmongering nation. When they uh, invaded Canaan, it wasn't because God needed to make room for Israel. It wasn't because uh, um, that it was just God was like, well, I'm going to pick them over you, so you're all gone. It wasn't like that. It was God had put up for 400 years of Canaanite abominations and just sin in, in which they would worship other gods through burning their children. We're going to get graphic burning their kids alive to sacrifice to their gods. And God put up with that for 400 years. And so when he gave that land to Israel, it wasn't to make room for Israel. It was because he was using Israel as punishment to Canaan. And so when Israel goes to war with other nations, it's because they're sinful nations. It's because you don't compromise with People who, who would say, okay, well, let, how, how do we compromise? I want to burn my kids alive to my God. Where's the compromise there? I don't, I don't, and so God says, you shall devote them to utter and complete destruction. And it says that uh, multiple times throughout the Old Testament as far as warring goes. And so it gives rules on, on, on warfare. Uh, another one would be worship. Exodus 24, verse 1, gives a pretty good idea as far as a commandment to worship in this, new, in this old, natural, physical covenant. And it says, verse 1, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And then verse 2, Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Oh, there it is. One of the things that might stand out to you is, is the distance. Notice how you have to stay far away. There, you do not come near, and when you do not come near, what do, you, what do you lose? If you're not close. Fellowship. You lose intimacy. You lose these things. And so you can only worship from afar. This is the natural Old Testament covenant. And so... This only happened for so long, and, and you have these uh, prophets prophesying that th things are going to change. And God had already had enough before the Old Testament was even finished, before the Old Covenant had even come to a close. God had, you, you had already had God telling his people, I've had enough of this. Give me Amos 5. Give me Amos 5, verse 21 through 23. Because this, because this is really the crux and it makes me nervous to read this. It goes like this. This is what God is saying. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. This is what their worship has, has become with, with this natural covenant. And now it's turned into this. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. And I, I just think, ooh. I, I do some music from time to time and, and, and worship and stuff. And so I think, okay, our, our natural, our physical bodies are here, but our spirits are at, I don't know, Cedar Point. I have no idea where your, where your mind could be, where your heart lies right now. I have no clue. 
I have no clue. But this, to me, is a stern warning when it comes to our worship. And I read it, and I think, and I think, I hate, I despise your feasts, your feasts, your potlucks, your, your after-service hangout time, your, your, hey, let's go grab some dinner with the small group. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, in our, in our Sunday morning uh, church gatherings, in our worship nights, in our altar calls. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, your 10% out of your check, and grain offerings, your 10% out of your Social Security check, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, 10% out of your commission checks. I will not look upon them. And then I just, I, I, I get the sense that here in this verse, verse 23, there's just a sigh. And God just goes, take away from me the noise of your songs. And it's just like, sorry, Kevin, you got to go. The songs, it's like God is just done with your songs. And to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Andrew, your electric guitar playing is fantastic, but God is not hearing it, man. It's falling on deaf ears. It's like this kind of stuff scares me when, when you hear people say, eyes burn out, going through the motions. This kind of stuff where it's just, and I ran out of that grave. And out of the darkness and to that glorious day. What is that? What, what, where, where is the worship in that? We're doing it, but, we're, but are, are we living it? Where's our spirit? Our mouth is moving. Our lips are singing the words. But our spirit is not in it. And that's where God says, I will not listen. I'm done. And we have amazing, by the way, music. And I'm not just saying... Uh, the field house is so great. I'm just saying in general, if you turn on some worship music, back to what it was 25 years ago, worship music nowadays is fantastic. It is, it, it, it is so much better than it used to be because it's anointed, it's scriptural. And so I, like, there's, no, there's no reason to say, I just don't like it. I mean, there's worship music for everyone. All right, and, and, so, and so God has had enough with this natural, physical covenant now he's saying now it's the spiritual so who brought us this spiritual covenant this new this new testament boom abigail answer jesus is correct that was i'm gonna throw a snickers bar your way yes and so because we have this new covenant we get certain freedoms we have freedom in Christ. You guys ever heard that? Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? Because now we, we have this old covenant where it's like the do's and don'ts. Do you all know there's only really one commandment that God gave them? And then they added over 600 rules to it. That's what I'm telling you. It was a gift. The old covenant was a gift that they perverted. And perversion usually uh, is thought of as something that's sexual, but, it's usually just, but it just means a gift that you twist and you distort it. And so now we don't, we don't live under these heavy burdens of regulations, and do's and don'ts. I have to go to Jerusalem once a year or whatever. I have to make sure that I'm there at a feast. I have to, I have to slaughter a, a, the first male goat without blemish. I don't have to do any of those things. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to be here 
I don't have to get up in the morning and be here. I don't have to get my kids ready to come to church. I don't have to be nice to Andy. I don't have to be Christ-like. I don't have to welcome visitors. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to. I don't have to, but I want to. And that's the rub. I don't have to, but I get to. I don't have to be kind to Abigail, but I get to. I get to show her what Christ is like is to the best of my ability. I don't have to tithe, but I get to worship through my giving and my, thanks, and my, and my thankfulness. I don't have to give 10% of my money, because, but I get to have a I get to show my grateful heart and my grateful spirit as to what God has done and how God has provided for me. I get to do these things. When we turn to Mark 12 verse 41, it says Jesus is sitting there and he's and he's watching them uh, throw in on the offering plate and it says and as he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting in money in the, into the offering box many rich people put in large sums verse 42 and here we go and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny which is basically like a one sixty-fourth of an entire day's wage and he called his disciples to him and he said to them truly I say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on what do we get out of that we get I don't have to tithe, I get to tithe. Why? Because it's not about the size of my tithe. If I make $10 and only a dollar of that is, is, is the, the 10% goes to God, then I get to give that because it's not about the size of my tithe. It's about the size of my sacrifice. You hear that? It's not about the size of my tithe. It's about the size of my sacrifice. Because sacrificial giving, when we demonstrate sacrificial giving, we then uh, show that we are putting our trust in a mighty God who is able to provide for our needs. And we are happy to do so. I don't have to. I get to. Right? That is going to be the name. I don't have to, I get to. January 20th, that's the name of the, of, of the sermon. I don't have to, I get, I don't have to go take a sword and my Bible and invade Mexico and say, become a Christian now. I don't have to do that. What I get to do is I get to see strongholds being broken down. I get to see walls crumbling and I get to see chains broken because God is moving in people's lives. I get to see families restored, hope given to the hopeless I get to see relationships healed why because God has infected our spirits and I get to see all of these things happen I get to see Satan put in his place because greater is he who is in me and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world Woo! karate kick spiritual karate kick what did I just drop So I don't have to do those things, but I get to. I don't have to come in here and, and pray 
how they did in the Old Testament. Pray standing with, with your hands raised. I don't have to. I get to worship. I get to, I get to humbly come and acknowledge who God is and what he's done in this church and in the lives of the people here. How, how, how awesome is that? I don't have to, but I get to. I get to. And that's where the tie, the spirit, comes into play. You see, in Luke 18, when Jesus is talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector, and he's, combining, or he's comparing the two, he says, he says, the Pharisee gave a tenth on all that he had, tithed every week, and he gave a tenth on all that he had. And then the tax collector said, I am not worthy. And he was humble in spirit. And who went home found righteous? The tax collector, not the faithful giver. What does it say? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one, this is Paul saying, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a faithful giver. Oh, wait, no, wait, no, that's not right. God doesn't love a faithful giver. I'm sure he appreciates a faithful giver. But God loves a joyful, a cheerful giver. You know what God wants? And I, uh, this is really not uh, 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 on, on tithe and money and all that. It's really not supposed to be. I, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 15, 46, the natural and spiritual. But do you know what God wants more than your tithe, more than your money? He wants you to want to tithe more than he wants your money. God is God, who is a mighty God, and he does not care about your money. He cares about you. Am I preaching to an empty funeral home? I, what? Amen. Thank you, curbs. And now our worship is different. We no longer uh, have to keep our distance. Our worship is, is not impersonal, but now it's intimate. And, I, and, and we get a chance through our songs, through our prayer, to hear God speak directly to us. Mm. And now the problem is that I understand we live in a naturally sinful fallen world. And so our flesh... Our flesh and our spirit are going to be constantly wrestling with one another. So we have to feed the spirit. And how do we feed the spirit? Getting up every day, read, making sure that we read a Bible? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Making sure that we do the K-Love 30-day challenge? I don't know. Maybe. Y'all know what that is? Okay. Some people do. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and he's like, uh. <laughs> I think it's, you listen to K-Love for 30 days. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've never done it, but, but anyway. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly what it could be, but I, but I can tell you that those things can't help or can't hurt. Those things can't hurt by doing those things, making sure you're reading your Bible, making sure you're worshiping, making sure that you're lifting others up in prayer and you're, and you're thanking God for the things that he's done. You're acknowledging God for the, for the person that he is for the great good God that he is. You know what? You can take this, take this as your power tool, as your drill, 
and build something great in your relationship with Jesus for your family's sake. Amen? Use this, use this to build something great in your spiritual life. It's not, a, it's not an actual, I'm, I understand I'm kind of maybe oversimplifying things as to what the Bible is, but, but use this. And the problem is because we're called to live not, not by sight. We're, we, we walk by faith, not by sight. And a lot of the problem, a, a lot of the issue is that a lot of us can't take our sights off of our present circumstances. And we're not letting God's spirit guide us. And when you're not letting God's spirit guide you, you're not letting God's spirit direct your desires. And when God's spirit doesn't direct your desires, then, then you find yourself saying things like, I don't want to, but I have to. I don't want to come to worship, but I have to because the band's counting on me. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to, but I have to because my kids uh, think that I should. Because you're not letting God's spirit guide you. And you're not feeding your spirit. And the problem is that you guys are keeping your sights stuck on present circumstances and you're mourning over them and you're letting your present situation poison the, 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 um, the future grace that God has got for you and that God's spirit is trying to replace whatever it is that you lost Whatever, whoever it is, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a home, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a loss of income, maybe. Maybe it's somebody, you lost somebody, and God has got, has got something or someone better than that person which you've lost. I'm, I'm thinking 1 Samuel 16, when, when the Lord comes, and this is after Saul has been removed, and what does the Lord say to Samuel? He says, how long, Samuel, are you going to grieve over Saul? And what does he do? He tells him to get up and go to the house of Jesse. Why? Because David, David is there. Don't keep your eyes set on your present circumstances because you're missing out on what the Spirit has for you and He wants to replace it and it's going to be better than what you had before. I, I'm, 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 t- I'm going to play some drums. I'm going to play some drums. Feeling good. I'm feeling good. So don't poison future grace. Don't poison future grace because you're, because you're stuck. Because you're stuck on your present circumstances. God is going to, through his spirit, lead you and replace it with something better. And then what's he going to do? Unbeknownst to you, he will then exceed your expectations. He won't just meet them, he'll exceed them. The truth is that this, this whole sermon could have been summed up in two minutes if I had just said this. The natural covenant is a physical covenant. It emphasizes the outer man. The Old Testament, it emphasized the outer man, meaning the physical. So an example of that would be, if you were a direct descendant from Abraham, then you were true blue, buddy. You were pure blood Jew. And you were, and you were considered, you're the best. Because you're a direct descendant from Abraham. It's the, 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 the outer body, the man. Um, and, that, and that's the natural. Actually, 
as I'm winding down here, uh, if Kevin and the band wants to come up or whatever it is that you guys are doing, and I'll, and I'll close with this. Uh, as, as the band comes. There, I, I don't know who it is, but I heard uh, Kevin told me this past week that, that someone, here, uh, someone attends here and they own a crematorium. And, he's, and he told Kevin, hey, if you, wanted to, if you want to come and see the process, I'd be more than happy to show you how this whole thing works. You know, it's fine. And Kevin, you know, in his... Uh, morbid curiosity said, sure. I wanted to go just because I thought he said creamery. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't. I wish it was ice cream. <laughs> but Kevin was telling me, he was telling us actually over at Bristol Road about the process and about how they, um, you don't see anybody, you don't see any body. It's the, it's just a box where a body has already been put in and, and, and he's been explained to you and, and, and the guy is kind of telling him, okay, so this and this gets up to 1,600 degrees in the, in the incinerator and, and it's like, whoa, that's hot. And it's a big thing, 1,600, I think? 1,800? It gets up to a million thousand degrees <laughs> in this incinerator. Which, I honestly, I wouldn't mind getting crem uh, uh, cremated when I die because that'll be my last chance at having a hot smoking body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, all right, got to bring it back in. <laughs> he was telling me that after it's all said and done, all that's left on the other side is ash. It's just ash. And I was thinking about how it's just all comes down to ash. And it doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're a direct descendant of Abraham. It's just, it all looks the same. It's just ash. Ash is what's left. And that is why I urge you this morning to invest in the spiritual things of God so that you're not only ash when it's done because it is the spiritual body that is resurrected and the spiritual things of God when you invest in those things you are investing in eternal things take up the offering or how do you want to do this then we pray all right let's pray Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for uh, just uh, being so good, being so kind to us, and through a multitude of mercies, uh, just layers of grace, you brought each person here this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that, that this morning you would be glorified, that your spirit would direct us, that we would not be stuck on our physical, naturally sinful, fallen world and the circumstances that come along with it, Lord, but that we would have a spiritual mind, a mind set on you and of the things of, of God. I pray, Father, that you would uh, take this offering. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would bless the hands of the givers, that they would be joyful givers. I pray, Father, that you would use it to nourish your church and advance your kingdom because what a kingdom it is Lord Jesus and so we thank you Father 
And may you be praised in this morning through our songs, through our tithes, through our mouths, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray, that we sing, and that we gathered this morning. Amen.